Welcome to Series 5 of Industry Minds. My name's Owen Woodgate from Tax for Actors. We are over the moon to be sponsoring this series. It really is one of the best yet. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast which discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Kathy Reid. And I'm Scarlett Maltman. And today we are joined by the gorgeous Denisha Samal. Hello. Hi. How are you today? I'm okay. It's sunny and hot, which helps. Um, although it does make, I don't know, it sort of helps and it doesn't, doesn't it? Because it, it makes you reminisce of times when we weren't in our homes. So, exactly. Yeah. Do, do you have a garden? Have you managed to, to get out? I don't. And- I don't in London, but I came to stay at my mum's place a little while ago and she does. Yeah. Amazing. It makes yeah. such a difference. Was it Kathy was just saying earlier that she she sat on grass for the first time in like I mean probably since last year because obviously before lockdown it wasn't very hot um, and yeah. so yeah I went for a socially distant picnic with my boyfriend and my friend yesterday and um I was like oh sitting on the grass it was quite quite exciting <laughs> <laughs> it's the little things the little things isn't it and um, so we always start with a game so this is a word association game so the first thing that pops into your head are you ready yes <laughs> so the first one, very appropriate, heat wave. Sweat. Ice cream. Delicious. London. Ooh, crowd. Dogs. Woof. <laughs> Music. Soul. Writing. Uh, flow. Soho. Ah. Uh. Rave. Variety. Spice. Love it. Yeah. Variety is indeed the spice of life. (laughs) So, Denisha, we always start at the beginning. Um, Just chat to us about what led you into the arts. Well, I sort of, I went to just a normal school. I was quite shy and quiet, but one of my friends was like the more drama-y one. And he sort of lured me into doing the school plays with him. I was always like into writing and making up stories and messing around, but kind of quite privately. And yeah, so I started at school and then I became like one of the kids who was really into drama. And I think I was really lucky that certain people noticed me through the kind of like the loudness of other kids and said, oh, this this girl's quite passionate about this and maybe she should carry on. Um, And so I went to the Brit school in Croydon. But I think I was like, I think without somebody believing in me, I probably would have been one of those kids that that, that didn't that didn't necessarily pursue that career. So it's made me quite um, passionate about trying to be that person. Like if there's a moment where I could ever be that person in someone else's life, because I really thank those little moments that made me be like, oh, I could actually, oh, is this a job? So yeah, and then I went to the Brit School College. I did lots of different kinds of theatre there, and I think that that was a really good base for realizing that you don't just have to be an actor in one way or just a writer or and I say just not to like limit that job because obviously if you can do one of those things and props to you but that you don't have to be limited to labeling yourself in one way so I went to drama school and did like acting training but I think I always had that in my head that that I was allowed to do other stuff as well so yeah and then that's kind of I guess here I am (laughs) 
yeah amazing and did you did you say did you go on to another school after the Brit school um I went to uh Rosebrewford for a year I did a course there in European theatre because at the time I I did, I, I was, again like didn't want to feel like I was just gonna just gonna act and I, um I wanted to be able to do as much as possible and then I did that year there and actually thought no I think I'd like the really strict training so I went to um not strict I'd like really thorough training and I went to Central School of Speech and Drama to do acting um which was great because it was like three years of really working on something and they really made they kind of worked hard to get me out of my shell and I'm kind of very thankful for the stuff I picked up there and again I think anything that helps you have a network as when you work go out into the creative industry is really important so there's people I'm friends with from the Brit school that became not just my friends, but my kind of contemporaries and colleagues and the same with central and the same with like any other scheme I've done along the way. I think it's quite important to sort of find your people at every stage yeah. because it can feel quite yeah. lonely otherwise. Absolutely. And, and we, we work with the Brit school quite a lot actually. And yeah. I think I, I, I don't know them, you know, prior to what we do know, but certainly just now when we work with them you know they're very heavily involved with mental health support and across all for all their students what was it like a you know central you know three years of intense training you know was there any sort of support when you were there I think drama schools are really complicated because they're very very emotionally taxing people are young and vulnerable and vulnerable to criticism and you're also less confident about who you are. So I found I always took on feedback way too personally. And like years later, I can look back on it now and be like, that that was meant as a guiding note. It wasn't supposed to mean change your personality or whatever. I think drama schools have a huge responsibility for, for the mental health of young people. And there is a lot of kind of, a lot assigned to your teachers and you sort of begin to make them into gods and it's quite unhealthy. Um, so I, while I was at drama school, I did go to some counselling there I think and I did feel like I had friends to talk to but I think drama schools do need to have a kind of more structured way of approaching mental health with um with their students and I don't know if that's changed since I was there because obviously I left a while ago but um I felt like you could always get support if you asked but it wasn't something that was in place there and obviously it takes a certain level of courage and awareness to even ask in the first place so yeah I think sort of systems probably are required at drama schools that make everybody feel able to access support without having to feel like they have to ask or have someone notice the problem yeah absolutely absolutely so you mentioned uh, about a little bit of counseling there what have your experiences been with mental health oh god I think like most creatives um Sorry, every time I use that word, I think about the fact that my brother got really annoyed at me recently and was like, everyone's creative. Stop using that word. It's <laughs> your job. It's not your job that's exclusively creative. So maybe I shouldn't use that. But um, it, like like a lot of people, I think it takes its toll on your mental health at, at various, throughout your career. And most of the time you're making your peace with the fact that that's going to keep happening. So I suppose those first few years when I graduated a lot, the, the moments when you're not working, the moments when you don't get things you really wished you did, they still hurt and, they, and they'll probably continue to. And it's like making your peace with that. Um, and I think, yeah, like a lot of people, I've definitely had struggles with it. And I suppose things like this are wonderful, like knowing that there is 
a kind of place where it's discussed openly. And also realising how long it might take to come to terms with a lot of stuff you'll pick up along the way that, you know, we're in an industry that puts a lot of mind pressure on, body pressure on, I mean, for men and probably particularly for women, um, pressure to succeed. Um, So much of that stuff and it's sort of giving yourself a break, but also realising how long it could take to get to the bottom of some of those things. So I think, you know, I've been, I left drama school in 2012 and it took me to 2020 to begin to like really tackle some of the big stuff that I needed to. And I think that's sort of okay. Um, it can oh, take yeah, that long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like whenever you feel like whenever you feel it, it, it's right to. And I think, you know, in terms of the industry, like we, we set this up because there was nothing, you know, we struggled with mental health and there was nothing out there that we could reach. And I think, you know, the industry is definitely changing and becoming more aware. And I think that makes people want to chat about it more and, and be more open there's so many aspects to your amazing career you've you're a very successful actress but equally a very successful singer and writer there's often a bit of stigma and um, you kind of touched on it on the at the very start and um, for some reason that you can't be an actor and a writer you know it's kind of you pick you pick one or the one one or the other what led you into pursuing all all three because you you sing as well right I do although yeah I haven't as seriously as I as I once did but um yeah I suppose because it really in reality most people do do a few things and they take inspiration from a lot of stuff and I think lots of actors have interesting roots into how they perform as well like I always wrote to get into character and I know like some people draw and some people do movement and people have always got it's not as if the disciplines are like so separate that they never ever reach each other so I think it's a slightly artificial thing in the first place so I suppose I felt that naturally I'd always done like I'd always done three creative things in various directions and it felt artificial that we had to go I'm going to train as an actor or I'm going to train as a director I'm going to train as a uh, writer when actually those disciplines always get jumbled up and brilliant painters listen to music while they're painting and people who play music write poems, you know what I mean? So it's, I think everybody, a lot of people have multidisciplinary ways of of doing what they do. There are actors who dance and there are actors who write to get into character. There are directors who write to help them work out how they're going to put the play on. So I, I sort of felt like the lines were slightly artificial I was lucky again that I because I started making quite early having conversations with theatres and stuff about writing and like how I could get into it I think I just got a bit dogged about that I think writing gives you autonomy in the sense that you feel like you have a voice and you can protest about the things you find frustrating or difficult in the industry whereas sometimes as an actor you feel like you're doing things you're not comfortable with or you're getting pushed into directions you're not confident about and I think a lot of my impetus to start writing was that I really wanted to, to to like get on my high horse and say the things that I wanted to do. And I think as well, writing is a really good way of filling your time between jobs. So I think I started doing it as well when I wasn't acting as a way of like still being creative and still feeling like I had some autonomy and some like creativity and some juices flow in. Whereas, um, when you don't have another thing to do, I think those bits between jobs can become quite frustrating and difficult. Yeah, definitely. And just on the fact that we're on 
well, we're going to get onto your plays in a second, but the fact that we're in lockdown at the moment um, and there's a lot of pressure to be creative and well, there's a lot of perceived pressure to be creative and, oh, you could, people go write a play during this time or um, have you, how have you found lockdown? Have you found that it's sparked your creativity or have you found that um, it's, it's lessened slightly in this time? Um, it's been going in waves. So I think like the first bout of it was just processing what was happening and the fact that, you know, life as we know it is going to change. And, you know, the stages of grief thing, like you're in denial thinking like, no, I've got drinks planned next week. I'm definitely going. What are you talking about? Or whatever it is. And so, yeah, I don't think, I think for the first weeks or so, I was kind of in a bit of a slump. Then I had a kind of creative burst. And then I'd say, because I think the creativity was like an escape from thinking about what's going on but then again I've just recently had another little slump where I can't seem to get anything done again so I think it's kind of quite natural that you'll go through spurts as well yeah especially in a really weird time like this you know I was quite surprised that one of the scripts I needed to do was like the easiest I've ever found writing for a couple of weeks ago and I was like this is weird but I suppose to write it because you might then go into a second period where you're like I can't get anything done at all so yeah I mean I've kind of had ups and downs through it and I and I kind of I, I'm, I'll say this because I recognize it because I've been doing like a lot of stuff and posting actively a lot about it I sometimes think that I'm probably one of those people that's making people feel like you have to be really busy and I spoke to a few friends about this recently and we all have different coping mechanisms right and mine is to stay busy and distract my brain from from what I'm feeling and some people it's about staying really still and some people pick up new skills so like friends of mine are like learning an instrument or a language and I don't think any of those are a less valid response than the other ones um absolutely doing the thing that we're used to doing and feel kind of safe doing yeah absolutely and and everyone we've spoken to and all over social media is people going is anyone else like was fine for two weeks and now they're totally not fine or does anyone else feel fine yesterday and feels crap today and I just (laughs) think that there's there's no there's no right or wrong way as you say and there's no valid or less valid way to to deal with this um just that was interesting to see um as you've been so creative how you're finding it um so getting onto your plays, you've written many plays, including uh, Busking It, which was inspired by your own experiences of busking in London's underground for 10 years. And this was developed with the RSC and then ran at places like the Soho Theatre and the Edinburgh Fringe. Most recently, your play Out of Sorts won the 503 International Playwriting Award, which is all about a woman's struggle with dual identity as a second generation migrant. What inspired you to write this play? Out of Sorts uh, is... It was an interesting process because I was writing that play for a really long time. I'd maybe eight years. I keep changing the numbers. I'm not totally sure, but it it was the beginning of my journey into writing. Basically, that the thing I was talking to you about when you don't see something and then you want to write it. That was exactly what out of sorts was. I I was I graduated into the industry and I just didn't see that story at all. And I was kind of looking for it and. I started writing it and it was always an experiment. And every time I went to a new venue as an actor and I I was often in new plays, so I'd watch how a writer adapted the play as we rehearsed it. Um, I would approach the new writing department of the theatre and say, like, would anyone be interested in reading my play? Or like, how do you have a scheme or whatever? Um, And I got a lot of notes and help along the way. And the play kind of grew up as I did through the the years that I was kind of working as well. and in a brilliant way, um, that some of those stories did begin to appear 
in the time that it took me to write it. But then that ended up making me make the story more specific to the particular issues that I was interested in. So it's been kind of a really long journey and really, and, and it was amazing to let that play go in October of last year after like writing it for about eight years. And it had amazing reviews. It was, it was everywhere. I wish I seen it. You need to put it on again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, and it, it was really lovely because people responded to exactly what I'd been trying to write, which was this very specific cultural problem. But actually um, lots of people from different backgrounds understood it and it wasn't it wasn't just about that culture it was about a lot of you know different things about being torn in different directions and it's something that turned out a lot of people understood which was really nice yeah absolutely fantastic I want you to put it on again (laughs) (laughs) when I see it is again I'll give it a go fantastic and then do do you want to just chat a little bit about you know like the, the blurb of it and where people can can purchase it We'll put a little link at the on the the bio of this. I can't really remember the blurb, but it's um. I mean, out of sorts is the story of a girl called Zara who's from a family that aren't from the Britain, and she over this one evening, she's kind of split her character to herself into two dual identities, and they they kind of mix and start to tear her in different directions. And over this one evening, it kind of slowly falls apart. Um, and yeah, it's uh. I, think, I don't know. I think you can buy it in bookshops, but I don't really know. <laughs> we'll find um, the link. We'll find the link. We'll put yeah, it in the podcast can, description. Sure. <laughs> Amazing. One of the things we're really passionate about at Tax for Actors is education. Education about tax, about self-employment, about finance. I've seen firsthand how a lack of education regarding tax and finance can have a detrimental impact on someone's career but also on their mental health. The stress of managing money, the stress of where that next paycheck is going to come from really can't be underestimated. And I guess that's one of the driving forces behind Tax Fractors. Yes, we want to help you with your self-assessment. Yes, we want to act as your accountant. But more importantly, we want to be part of your support network as you navigate through the various stages of your career whether that's the ups or whether that's the downs, we want to be there by your side offering our support and our advice. So if we can help you out, our contact details can be found in the show notes or you can drop us an email on owen at taxforactors.com. Enough of me talking. Enjoy the rest of the show. So female stories written by females have to be told and it's something that you know we're very passionate about as women um I think as our voices have been silenced for way too long in this industry um do you feel supported as a female playwright and what do you think the industry can do more of to support females in the arts in general um yeah I do I definitely think I think I've benefited from some of the movements to open up um theatre to different voices and genders and things I think I've definitely been one of the people that's benefited from that and and I'm really proud and excited to be asked sometimes to voice my opinions on those things um so I have felt supported in that respect I suppose in terms of the industry what what I suppose what the, I guess I think what the industry then needs to provide as extra support is is practical stuff that beyond just the dialogue I think we've a lot of us have sat down in rooms and talked about gender 
equality and uh, racial equality in theatre and, and all of those things and um, sexuality as well. But beyond that, it's about discussions and engaging groups and talking about practical things that could support people. I know there's sometimes discussions about childcare. Yeah, I do think going beyond dialogue and thinking about practical measures to support certain groups to feel comfortable in theatre spaces. Um, I think we're at a really weird time now because obviously theatres are under a lot. We don't know what will happen to theatre. But I suppose it could also be an opportunity about to make theatres a welcoming and communal space. So rather than theatre becoming this kind of um, artistically superior thing or something that's not for the masses but for the kind of cultured few, is there an opportunity to make it a more welcoming space? And I think that applies for for females, for for other groups that feel feel like they've been made a minority in theatre or maligned in theatre. I suppose we've got an opportunity for like complete reinvention now. So maybe it's now time to think about practical steps. Do you remember a while ago they were going to put creches in theatres and, you know, make food in a theatre cheap so people come to eat there and then maybe see a show? Like, it is those practical steps that I think make people feel at home there. Whereas I think the first time I ever went to a theatre as a teenager, I felt so unwelcome and so judged. And it took me a long time to want to go back. so yeah, I think there's a lot wow. that can be done. Absolutely. And that's so sad that anyone should ever feel like that in a space that is meant to be about imagination and excitement and inspiration. I mean, there's change you can do, and there's definitely venues that are better at, at that, at that kind of front-facing thing and making a venue feel like a communal space. Um, and a lot has changed. Like I think it's great to acknowledge how much more we need to do, but there is also it's nice to think about how much people have put so much effort into to change some of those things yeah yeah absolutely, absolutely. We, we spoke to to Rosalie Craig um last night and she was saying that she'd done a show at the the Domnara warehouse um did I just say that wrong yeah <laughs> <The> Domnara. Domnara. <laughs> it's been a long day I think I've got some shows. so hard and <laughs> um, she was saying how you know the maids they made it all into a crash so people could come with their babies and it was just amazing wasn't it what what she described yeah. and I think you know theatres there's no limit to what you can create in a theatre and I think exactly exactly what you said now is the time to think about how we can change things and um, for when the curtains go back up again and I, I really yeah. do hope that it will be very positive yeah I hope so. Definitely time for change. So um, just continuing on with your writing, you're one of 13 writers to write for the BBC TV Writers Programme and one of the Soho Six at the Soho Theatre, which is set up to support the best emerging playwrights in the UK. How important are these programmes for emerging playwrights? I think the schemes are really important. They are they provide writers with a commission. Um, uh, they give you a bit of payment to do that work. Um, both Soho and um, the BBC programme are unique in that, you, yeah, you do get that some financial support to, to create your piece, which is really important and invaluable. Um, and again, it's one of those things that removes barriers for people. It makes it possible for people to, to become writers for a few months and put the work in that's required to make a decent script. Um, they're also brilliant in getting you recognised in the industry. I sort of I have a double-edged thing with them because I sort of wish you didn't need to do something like that for for your work to be recognised. But and 
and I'm always you know curious about who decides when somebody's emerging or hot new talent and 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 when that that that's going to go but um no I think they are really important the BBC one was really thorough you had to do a lot of interviews um you had to be really clear about your ideas and I learned so much through that year um about telly writing and it was totally invaluable um and put me in contact with so many companies that I'm now working with so it, it was kind of the bridge to lots of other stuff and look and a kind of step into a world which I didn't know before and obviously telly is completely different to theatre so without that access point it's quite hard to break into um if you're used to writing theatre absolutely and and what advice would you give to any emerging playwrights I'd say keep at it um all the time and and even if you feel a bit silly and people are like yeah your play that's never going to go on just keep plugging at it because it took me eight years to write (laughs) of sorts and I think you know be as serious about it as you would be about anything else that you're passionate about and it will pay off um it will also probably be quite rub the first few drafts will probably always be pretty rubbish especially when you start and give yourself a break if it is um because if it was easy, everyone would be writing plays. So um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's um, it's allowed to take ages. It's allowed to be rubbish sometimes and just keep plugging away at it and you'll definitely get better. That's the other thing. The more you write, you will get better. Um, and I'm kind of amazed at that. It's quite simple, but it's like, I guess, practicing an instrument or something. If you keep doing it, you will get better at it. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's something that I've, I've always wanted to do, but then I'm just mm. like, I don't think like I know enough words to like <laughs> write <laughs> to write like a really decent script. Like you know, you go and see like these amazing plays at the National, and you're like, oh god, like I don't even know what that word means. <laughs> but no, I, th- I think it. I think it, it's so inspiring to you know some someone like you who who doesn't give a flying fuck excuse my language about you know the the kind of pigeonhole like type genres and I think like someone like you know Phoebe Waller-Bridge who wrote starred and produced her own show like there's no reason why you know we, we can't do anything that we want to and you're you're very inspiring and everything that you do it's a lot of people certainly will be loving this podcast <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on People also know that you're equally a very successful actress, as we mentioned. Uh, you've worked at theatres such as the RSC. I always say, I always get that mixed up with the RCS because that's the Scottish school, <laughs> the Scottish <laughs> drama school. Um, the Royal Court, the Globe, the Soho Theatre, the Royal Exchange, um, and various TV work, which includes The Great, um, which is currently streaming on Hulu, where we met and I chased you to yeah. come on this podcast. <laughs> and you do so much and it's all so brilliant. Um, but what do you do to unwind and, and look after yourself? Do you ever have a moment of calm? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm bad at that. Uh, and this whole situation has sort of forced me not to, to 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 face some of that. I think I already mentioned it took me till the beginning of 2020 to start trying to sort some of that stuff out. Like I said, I think the huge pressure on us to be productive and um, successful is is immense. And I I always found that one of the things I did was stay busy because if I stopped, I'd get 
like kind of overwhelmed and yes more recently I'm trying to find ways of stopping without being afraid of that um so now more recently I have begun to try and strum a guitar badly just because I think yeah that that seems to be relaxing me for now that's quite good um and I go for long walks at the moment uh that's good and sometimes I draw but I haven't done that for a long time like doodles and sketches um yes you've reminded me that I'm not often that good at that um but it's again it's what I'm kind of getting at is that this whole you know people feel really pressured to be like I need to be more productive and if you're on the flip side of that here it's that it might be it can sometimes not always be the most uh beneficial thing it sometimes is taking its toll on people and they're not letting it show so it's a kind of double-edged thing like you know sometimes we can't motivate ourselves and we need to find ways to do that and sometimes it's the other way around we need to find ways to to stop and be okay with the fact that we're not doing anything for a little bit absolutely absolutely yeah it's interesting um we interviewed someone this morning who is also um a creative and is always creating things and he said the same about not taking that time to kind of like look after yourself and to um not necessarily look after yourself but to just give yourself some downtime um it's really interesting because you've got so many different avenues um that that's kind of how how you don't unwind as it were yeah I remember reading an interesting thing that was about output and input and if you keep like pushing material out all the time you do need moments to to, to take stuff in otherwise you're, you're going to run out of ideas and inspiration anyway so I suppose I'm trying to if, if there's like a more I don't know efficient way of thinking about it which is probably the way I would um is that also it's it's more kind of beneficial to have moments where you just take stuff on rather than pushing stuff out all the time um but I'm saying all this knowing that I don't always take my own advice (laughs) (laughs) we all do (laughs) so um so going on with with content um and putting that out there how do we continue to make and support accessible and truthful stories both on stage and screen that represent the world that we live in I suppose if there's a story you individually if there's a story you really want to tell start writing it or find someone to write it with you if you don't want to be the writer. In working in spaces, I think we have to be careful to make sure no voice in the room ever feels like they're marginalised minority. Um, I think we've got to be quite careful now because obviously there's going to be so much financial strain on the industry that we don't return to things that are just like considered incredibly safe. Because actually the last few years, stuff that might have been considered risky programming has actually turned out to be some of the biggest hits we've had. So I think it's, I don't know, our industry might need a little reminder of that and it might be down to writers and actors and directors to keep fighting that fight. Um, Because obviously I don't run a building and I don't know what it's like to do that, but I'm sure there's a lot of pressure now um, and there will be to make stuff that's financially viable. So yeah, I guess we're gonna have to fight with wrestle with that problem because um we'll wanna continue telling original stories and and getting a carrying on with this push to, to get more diverse a mix of stories on stage and we really wouldn't want to step backwards from there. Yeah. 
I think that's important. So before we finish, we have to chat about your amazing initiative, Virtual Collaborators, that you uh, picked up a lot of press on in the likes of The Guardian during COVID-19. Can you chat to us about this? Yes, I can. We So it all sort of snowballed a bit, but I think in the first week or two of lockdown, um, Guardian got in touch with a few different people and said, what are your ideas for an action plan for theatre? So I sat down and was like... Um, write something and then thought you can't I, I can't write that and then like not try and do it so I did and um, I kind of did a little call out and people started responding and in the way that those things do like it sort of rolled and rolled which was great it meant what was kind of nice about it is that we responded really immediately to whatever was going on it nothing was that planned and I was kind of picking it up as I went along people were getting involved and as as it grew now we've kind of reached, so we did three, we had about two weeks where people were meeting on Zoom, um, a director and a writer and an actor who they'd all sent me um, forms with their interests in. There wasn't anything about like your CV or what you'd done. It was all about what you were passionate about. And then I, I sort of like did this weird graph where I like match people up based on what they were interested in. And then they'd all meet on Zoom and have like rehearsals and chats. And then they created a piece out of that. and. Um, it all like there wasn't kind of a quality control thing there wasn't an exclusivity thing and it just happened to work and that was really wonderful and really heartening um and people were so inventive with the restrictions of of lockdown or like not having a proper camera and did all this amazing stuff um so now we've kind of reached a point where we had three weeks of video releases and i'm talking to some of the people who are involved the collaborators that were involved about what we do if we carry on and how because I think the point would to be as innovative as we were to be as innovative as we were the first time and look into the future and like trying to make it a, a creative outlet in a different way so right now we're in planning we don't know what we're doing and hopefully we'd, we'd, would be great to kind of partner with another organizational group so that we could work with more people um, would be the hope but there's lots of videos on YouTube at the moment and there's still 24 films for people to watch so I think like that'll be plenty for people to be watching while they wait for us to move on to the next they're so <laughs> amazing like they're they're just they're just brilliant they're they're absolutely genius and I, I really do hope you get you know you figure out the, the next thing because you know that in terms of you know if theatres aren't going to get back like I, I heard from a casting director that things might not um, be back till this time next year obviously that is the worst case scenario but you know this is a whole new initiative that could potentially be you know something that people pay to watch and it could it could be a whole new idea that continues for the next year and you know beyond it it's it's a whole it's a whole new thing it's so <laughs> it's so amazing it's so blooming brilliant do, oh. do, do you have any you know ideas of who you want to kind of partner with I mean, well, I don't, where we're just writing off and trying to see. I think, I mean, the thing is, there's a lot of people doing really creative stuff. So even if this idea kind of ends, I'm sure it, first of all, it's already inspired other people to make new pieces of work themselves. Um, and it's not like an idea that I'm going to hold on to. So if someone wants to take it on and continue, that's also really welcome. So um, I'm imagining that there's going to be a lot of resourcefulness and exciting things happening from people. And yeah, I don't know who we want to partner. We just we're just trying our luck everywhere, really. 
Absolutely. Every, everything crossed, fingers and toes <laughs> crossed. Um, so we ask everyone this question at the end of the interview before another game, you'd be pleased to know. Uh-huh. Um, and the question is, could you walk into a room today and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? What, in, in terms of work, like an industry? Yeah, or- any any room, you can choose the room, choose the people. I mean, I can do it here because I'm with my mum. <laughs> I could definitely walk in. And I think now has allowed us to do that more, actually. I've even found in exchanges with like people I'm working with, this whole crisis has opened that up a bit, actually. Like I, one of the producers I work with will be like, how are you? Here's draft seven or whatever. I feel really rubbish today. I was really high yesterday. Today has killed me or whatever, you know. And um it's it's really made the conversations more honest. So I actually feel that maybe potentially the next time I walk into an actual rehearsal room, I will be able to say that more easily. But we'll see. Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming to chat to us. No Cracking interview. We do <laughs> have a game though. Yeah. Cassie is gonna lead it's called- this game. I love this game. It's called Finish the Sentence. Okay. I feel like it's a real like get to know you game. Okay. So my favorite thing to do on a hot day is? Eat ice cream. Always. In my bag, I always have? A phone. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should be more? Kind. A book I'd recommend to everyone is? Ah, I don't know. I was going to say the Bible, but I don't actually mean that. <laughs> you should you should I, take I that as some self plugging. No, no. Um, God, no. A book everybody should read. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. Out of sorts. Out of sorts. Mental health to me is ups and downs. My favourite place in the world is? A field. My current Netflix watch is? I'm watching the Eddie. Ooh, what's that? What's that? That a jazz club in Paris. It's told from a different person's perspective in each episode. Ooh, is it it good? Would you recommend? I'm only on episode one, so I will tell you. (laughs) Amazing. I shall watch. Um, we need to support new writing because <laughs> we need to support new writing because I really should be able to plug this exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> we need to support new writing because <sighs> new writers are the voices of tomorrow. And if it is going to remain relevant, it needs to listen to what people are saying and concerned about now. And as much as I love the classics, um, times are moving really fast and if we want theatre to be something that lots and lots of people can tap into and care about I think it needs to stay socially relevant and new writers are a way of doing that absolutely and finally today I am grateful for sunshine and this interview oh thank you amazing Dusha, thank, thank you, you so, so much, so much. No problem. it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. If you'd like to get in contact with us, you can reach us on our email, which is info at industryminds.co.uk. 
For all counselling inquiries, please email mary at industryminds.co.uk. You can find us on social media. Our Twitter and Instagram handles are at industrymindsuk. There you can keep up to date with all our latest announcements. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.